Show me the football. Are you ready for live football on your phone with the Yahoo Sports mobile app? You got it. Watch local and primetime NFL games on your phone or tablet all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Get the Yahoo Sports mobile app and you are golden. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. How you doing, buddy? I'm okay. I have some important questions for you. I'm all ears. So we're going to get to all the news of the day. There was a very, very exciting Rams-Saints game. There was a less exciting but still intriguing Tom Brady-Aaron Rodgers matchup. But I need one question, maybe one and a half questions answered about Nathan Peterman. Craig and I, producer Craig and I, were on the line before this started, and we started to have a discussion, and now I am I'm so down the rabbit hole that I can't get out of it. If the Bills with Nathan Peterman played the Rams, how many people would you have to add to the Bills offense to consider the Bills favorite? Like, would you, if they were playing 12 on 11? Oh, no. It would be like 13. at least three or four. I would say 13. You're getting Yeah. I, I would say 15 to 16 no, guys on that side. No. Of the ball. No. I, I, in, 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 if you do 13, 12, I don't know if it's going to make that big of a difference. 13, you can then just sort of run read option schemes and have an extra guy every, two extra guys every time. That so you're really point, asking this question. That, yes. you're, you're, you're taking it seriously. That's the yes. difference between yes. what, Yeah. Okay, that's yes. fine. Yeah. Does 12 do it for you? Mm, 12 probably does. I mean, they're NFL players, but 13 would definitely help. The 13, they would win. Yeah, most likely. 12, I'm not sure. It was brutal. I, I mean, I don't even fault Nathan Peterman that much today. It, it's more oh, about no. just like no. the talent on that side of the ball for them is unbelievably bad. He found he threw a perfectly fine Terrell Pryor pass, and Pryor just bobbled it until it got intercepted. Yeah, I mean, like it, that's it was tipped because it was in yeah. like it was within one yard of the line of scrimmage, which is a weird play. No, no, we're talking about two different plays. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about yeah. the first interception. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But then, the, then there was the tip that was not pass interference because of the the because it was within one yard of the line of scrimmage. Right. So there were two that were just kind of bizarre. I mean, it wasn't like they were the best passes in the world and he got let down, but they weren't horrendous. They, I mean, they're NFL throws. I think that your point was correct. It was all about the, like, becoming self-aware. They were yeah. trying to go to the other team. The, the footballers are aware of what's supposed to happen when they leave Nathan Peterman's hands, and they were, they were just playing into it. When my team is winning by 30-plus, that's totally fine with me, so I'm good. What's the score of a, of a t- Bills with 12 people Offense versus the Rams. I don't know. Kind of like that Saints game. Uh, that's probably what I'd say. Oh, you think it's, it's the shootout? Yeah, I mean, with 12 I think, guys, I, I you think better it's, hope it is. I think it's, it's whoever has the ball last in that spot. Which is never something we'd ever say about the Bills. All right, right. so we're going to kick this off by talking about that Saints-Rams game, which was everything you could have wanted it to be. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly, it, it's funny because, you know, people said this at the time, but it was one of those games where so many of these games either don't fit the billing or are completely different than what we thought they were going to be. This is exactly the way we imagined this game happening. It was, I, I guess there was no other way for it to happen, but it was beautiful. So the Rams obviously go on the road and lose. Do you feel drastically different about that team than you did like when you woke up this morning? Do I feel drastically different? I feel drastically different because I don't know what the future of Marcus Peters looks like in that defense. Does he get significantly better? Because he went up against Michael Thomas today and he got a pass interference and a holding called against him and both resulted in completions. He got burned. 
a number of times. It was not good. He fell down on some plays. My question is, he had the lower body injury a couple of weeks ago. How much is that affecting him? If they don't have a secondary that can keep up with somebody like New Orleans, they're done. And that's sort of my worry. When when is it keep to leave coming back? I don't know. So I am I have full faith that the Rams are still an elite team. We're not going to do that. They've lost one game. The sky is falling thing. What I'm saying is that for a Super Bowl contention standpoint, the secondary has to get better for them for them to win the Super Bowl. That like long Michael Thomas touchdown felt like it was just a way to pick on Marcus Peters. Yeah, that's what it felt were, like. It was like, we're going to do this because we can't. Here's the deal. The way you win a Super Bowl is you get superstar production from non-superstars, and then your superstars play like superstars. That's that's how this works. If your superstars, the guys you traded for and depended on in the offseason, who were, Marcus Peters is a very, very good NFL player. If those guys are going to be the people that get picked on with much success on opposing offenses, that becomes a problem. Here's the thing, though, about the Rams. Like, we've talked about it the last three or four games when discussing the fact that they won those games even when they didn't like play well. And today felt like that to a degree. Like they almost had that game. They were yep. right there yep. after playing like garbage for stretches of it. And that's if I had to take anything away from it, that's what I would take away from it. It's that even when they don't play well, they almost pulled it out on the road against what is clearly the second best team in the NFC. So all I want is to see that game again. That's it. Yep. Yep. And and the Saints defense did a nice job. Obviously, they weren't world beaters, but uh, Todd Gurley had his worst yards per reception of the season. They had 2.2 yards for contact was the best of the season. They were getting or the best, excuse me, the worst of the season for the Rams. And so they were getting to Gurley. They were containing him. Uh, I mean, we sort of knew that, the, you know, I, at one point in the first half of life, this was going to be an absolute blowout for the Rams to come in and at least make it competitive to the point where at one point I thought the Rams were going to win. Uh, that was an accomplishment for the Rams, especially considering what happened in the first half. I think the Saints defense impressed me to a degree. Yeah, I mean, they got enough stops. and it, it reminded me of last week's game in a way. Yeah. Obviously, like the score was much different. It was a shootout, but they did enough. And with that offense, that's all they need to do. They need to do enough. Yeah, I mean, that exactly. And that's what we talked about um, with with the Saints the week before, where P.J. Williams gets picked on, and then he gets, you know, he gets a two, the two turnovers later in the game. That actually happened today, where P.J. Williams got... The, basically the game ceiling pass breakup. Um, so it's the guys who are not the superstars who are going to make these plays because, I mean, that's just how the Saints defense is built. They're not, again, they're not going to be 10th in points like they were last year. They made such a dramatic improvement as 2017 went along. 2018, they're going to get better, but it's not going to be like that. Um, you know, I thought from from the Saints offensive perspective, I thought Breeze did a great job of getting the ball out really quickly, even for Drew Breeze. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to climb the pocket, knows how to evade pressure and just get rid of the ball. But even even by those standards, he was very, very impressive neutralizing the Rams' pass rush. So I just thought that Sean Payton had just a hell of a game plan. Truly a hell of a game plan. Michael Thomas, 211 yards. By the way, by the way, by the way, Drew Brees going 80% of his passes today to Michael Thomas, that brings down his season completion percentage to Michael Thomas. This game was always like lurking because he hadn't had it yet. Like there had been, he hadn't found the end zone in weeks and they'd gone away from him a little bit. About three weeks into the year, I thought that he was going to break the receptions record. And then Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then it went away. Like it slowed down a bit. And this is the type of game. It's like, oh yeah, this is when they choose for him to be the dude. This is what he does. They don't need him to be. And that's a, a sign of a good offense and a good passing game is when you don't need to force feed a guy like that. But if they need to lean on him like they did tonight, it's ridiculous. It's unstoppable. I mean, he's one of the best five or six receivers in the NFL, undeniably. Two players in history, 23 or younger, with three games of three touchdowns in a single season. Alvin Kamara is one of them. Who is the other? I have no idea. 
It's Jim Brown. So not bad. The not fact, bad. The fact that we're talking about Michael Thomas first, Drew Brees, and all these guys. We're not even mentioning Alvin Kamara, who I don't know. I'm not going to say he worked his way into the MVP discussion because I don't think he's actually going to win the MVP. But if there is some sort of elongated list of MVP candidates, I would put Alvin Kamara on the fringe of that. I just thought that he was very impressed. I mean, I, the, the, the Saints, like we talked about, the Rams, I did not change my mind on almost anything on the Rams except maybe worrying a little bit more about Marcus Peters. The Saints, I just came away hugely impressed by. They have so many places to go. Yeah. And that's always why... I thought they were so dangerous because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it, it all, it's kind of like the Rams. The Rams do the same thing. They can do so many things. They can hurt you in so many ways. That's why they're frightening. And today, the Saints did it. They can either hit you with Kamara or they can just throw the ball to their dude 15 times and he will destroy you. It's a really nice place to be when Drew Brees is also your quarterback. Can, I'm going I'm to throw something out there. I, I talked last week about how it's kind of funny that Cam Newton's coming around and, and looks like he's going to be on the fringes on the fringes of an all-pro season and kind of back to the Cam Newton that we know him to be. And the reason it's funny is because, you know, he's sort of the originator of a lot of these spread schemes because he and Mike Shula started in 2011 when he came in the NFL, putting up huge numbers with some basically Auburn concepts, just, just straight-up Auburn concepts. And I kind of feel with Sean Payton a sort of similar thing in a different way. Which is we talk about all of these offensive revolutionaries and innovators and these young guys who are coming in and have all these great ideas. Dude, what do you think Sean Payton was 12 years ago? Like Sean Payton came in and was McVay. And so it's kind of funny to me. I mean, he just turned that franchise around. Think of what the Saints had going on 12 years ago. Good Lord. And so it, it's amazing to me that Sean Payton is not only, you know, was the McVeigh of this era, but he is as he is as cutting edge as he was then now in this era of, 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 of youth. The like the Payton breeze thing is tough because it's very, very hard to separate them. And it's very hard to understand. Like, who deserves real credit? Like how much, like, how do you delineate that? Where do you kind of like, if you had to put it in two buckets, how do you separate the buckets? I don't know the answer to that. And that's, um, I mean, I kind of see it as a golf McVeigh type thing, but it lasted. But Drew Brees is much better than Jared Goff. No, 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 no. I understand that. But I mean, I just, I, I, I mean, it's the perfect marriage of, of scheme and player. Of course. But if we're like, all right, so, this Drew Brees season, period. Like, mm -hmm. let's say he wins the MVP. That is a, like a super important moment in the Drew Brees legacy. But in that legacy, it's very hard to separate him from having Sean Payton the entire time. They've never had to be a part in their most important stretch. I mean, it's been 13 years. It just becomes difficult. Like the lines become blurred. That's all I'm saying. Sure. So, of since 2011, his worst season by quarterback rating was the year that Sean Payton was suspended. Not surprising. But that was, he still had a 96 rating. It's not like he was, you know, it's not like he threw 30 interceptions or something. Yeah. But I mean, look. It's hard to say. You look at his, you know, he got here, he got to New Orleans when he was 27 years old. He had his year 25, 26 seasons with San Diego and in kind of a weird environment. They had drafted Phillip Rivers already. Um, you know, he, he had 104 rating in, in 04, then 89 and 05. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have to, quite frankly, what I'd have to do is go back and look at those Charger games and look at the tape and figure out what throws he was making back then that he he's improved upon now and 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 you know that that sort of thing he had a lot of weapons back then too so i don't know i haven't given that much thought to the Peyton Breeze thing because i just feel like they're so joined to the hip that there's not really and they haven't gotten so good that it's become a Belichick Brady thing is that that strange it's a diet version of it though sure of course because the offense has been top 
not even 10, like higher than that every single yeah. season. Their problem is the defense. Like that's what has held them back every single year. Yeah. I mean, but I, it's not like if the, the reason we ask about credit all the time with the Patriots because they win the Super Bowl all the time or they get to the Super Bowl all the time, we just talk about them more. And I think you also add in Robert Kraft, who had a, a much bigger macro vision as well. So you just start asking questions about who's responsible for what or, you know, and you have sort of other people like Scott Pioli, you know, who, who built what gets talked about more. We just don't do that with the Saints. And I'm not sure why we don't do it, but we don't. Yeah, I mean, the one Super Bowl, that's the reason. But this may be the exception. Like, if they do it this year, if they get there, if they are the number one seed, everything else, maybe we'll have those conversations a little bit more. Okay, let's get to stock up, stock down. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, stock up. Cordero uh, Patterson? New England just stockpiling guys that affect the game in very weird but pronounced ways. I guess that's what I'd say. So just to recap, two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football played each other for only the second time. And I came away with it thinking about how much of a genius Bill Belichick is for figuring out that Cordell, Cordero Patterson should play running back. It was ridiculous. Like, that is one of my favorite kind of Belichick wrinkles of all time. The dude was a first-round pick. He's insanely yards. talented. And they found the pretty much the right way to use him. You don't have Sony Michelle, but you know that you need the running game to be the offense that you want. And they're just like, ah, fuck it. We'll just put Cordero back there. Whatever. It's insane. Like, they do this stuff way too often. I mean, he, he he had a higher yards per carry than Aaron Jones, who's good, who's a good running back. I, we just shouldn't allow him to make personnel decisions. Like, if he so, signs a free agent, it's like, eh, we should, like, let's review this, like, as so a league. let's back up. We have Troy Brown playing cornerback. Julian Adelman playing cornerback. Mike Vrabel playing tight end. What are the other... I mean, he's just screwed around with the offensive line for years as far as flexibility goes there. That's completely out. But what are the other sort of Belichick position switches that worked like a charm? I mean, McCourty went from corner yeah. to safety. Yep. Yep. I mean, he does, a lot, he does a lot in the, in the secondary as well. Yeah, that, yeah. It's a flexible spot. Like in, yeah. Uh, in and, the back and, and listen, he... he, he scouts for positional flexibility. That's why he scouts some of his offensive line athletes. That's why he scouts some of the secondary guys. He loves the idea of one guy being able to back up at three positions. He absolutely loves it. And so I'm not surprised on that, but I am surprised that he took Cordero Patterson and made him a running back. It makes sense though, right? Like his, sure. the, most, the most success that Patterson has ever had in the league by far is that kind of movement. It's understanding gaps. It's understanding creases. It's sure, understanding how to you, hit them. We, you, 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 more than anyone, know the frustrations of trying to put Devin Hester in an offense. Yeah. It doesn't always work. Every, no, but, every single year that Devin Hester was at Miami, it would, Larry Coker would be like, going to put him in the offense, and then they just couldn't find a role for him. So movement and all that stuff, being able to return kicks really well, being an open field guy, it doesn't always translate. So the fact that Belichick was able to figure this out is hugely impressive. But we put those guys at receiver. That's always what happens. That's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. If you're a great returner, a coach is going to put you on the outside for or, the most part. And, and get, or give you end arounds. Yes. I mean, it's gimmick shit or you're a, a receiver, period. And the fact that they would put him at running back just because that is a more similar movement to returning kicks. It's a north-south assignment, and you're trying to hit a seam that develops. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. I just don't think many people would try it. Is Tavon Austin just, just going to play running back tomorrow? I mean, I, I hope not, just because <laughs> they have a very good running back. One of the reasons this happened is <laughs> because be Sony Michelle was not playing. That'd be great if they were just like, we found a way to use Tavon Austin, and then they just benched Zeke Elliott. Yeah, like you trade a first-round pick yeah. for Amari Cooper, and you have a guy you drafted in the top five. It's like, ah, fuck it. We'll, uh, eh, we're just going to we'll, go We'll just him. give it to Tavon 25 no, Ta times. Tavon's lined up in the backfield. 
Yeah, but not in like a running back role. It's very, very different. It's in the gimmick um, role. Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. No, it's the gadget crap. It's not It's not anything like what happened tonight. Exactly. So uh, Josh Gordon, fifth round pick, probably worth it. Yeah. I mean, I think some Patriots fans at the ringer are still slightly down on him. But I mean, that that play tonight, he was just making some pretty basic plays. I mean, the Packers secondary, they played that very, very oddly, that touchdown. They missed a tackle pretty badly. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, that secondary in general, post-haha, is what I'm worried about with that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, Jackson was was okay. Jair Alexander didn't have the the dominant game he had last week. I mean, he didn't show up like last every week, single play. Mike McCarthy named it an alpha performance. I didn't see that this week. Yeah, there was no alpha. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes cornerbacks just, you know, you don't notice and that's a good thing. Yeah, but I mean, the... The way the Pats moved the ball in the second half, I can't like tip my hat to Jair Alexander if he <laughs> wasn't getting thrown at. Like that's not how that's going. Right. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I just think that um, I came away with an unchanged mind about most of the things I thought coming into this game. I'm a little, I'm a little higher on Cordero Patterson's NFL future, and maybe a little higher on Josh Gordon um, as a Patriot, especially when you hear these these ideas that they were trying to get into the Demarius Thomas sweepstakes or maybe even aiming a little higher with the bigger, big, uh, big name sort of wide receiver. So I, I'm sure the Patriots feel better as well. Uh, yeah, my, I guess my biggest takeaway from that game is that this Pats team, even if they're not the group that we're used to, like the Brady to Gronk dominance, all of that stuff, they have enough. They have enough options on that side of the ball in an interesting way that they'll be able to find the points when it comes down to it. Because that is, in my opinion, what the AFC playoffs are going to be. Can you outscore the teams around you? We saw that with Pittsburgh today. We saw that with the Chiefs every single week. Can the Pats find 35 when they need it? And I think they can. Because they have so many guys that can just do it. I, I Whatever way they get there, they have enough bodies at this point. And coming into the season, I didn't know if that was true. So I think that the, the thing that changed my mind about the Patriots in general was just the fact that they, they beat the damn Chiefs just three weeks ago. Um, and so, again, this game wasn't going to go a long way in, in determining how I felt about the Patriots. Um, this is going to be a shootout in the AFC playoffs. It's going to be completely ridiculous. I think the most important thing at this point is, when was the last time a road team, it's been, it's been six years since the AFC championship game was won by the road team. And I think it's been five years since the NFC champion. And you can't separate you know, the fact that the team playing at home in the, in the championship game is just a better seed. So it might just be that, but home field advantage is extremely important in the playoffs. We, we, we know that. And it's actually for oddly getting more important. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe the good teams are getting better. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that it's going to be a very different game when this New England Patriots team has to go to Kansas city, because I think that's going to have to happen. And that's what I'm most intrigued by, especially if to see if this offense can put up 43 in the same way it was able to put up 43 in Foxborough. I mean, you've seen how many conference championship games in your life? A few, I would assume. Uh, I have five or six in yeah. person, five or six. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Four or five. There, yeah. there is no atmosphere like that. Well, there's it, no atmosphere like Kansas City for a regular season game. So I couldn't even saying. imagine what it would be like for them to host an AFC championship game. It, it would be nuts. But those moments, like before, right before the kickoff of an AFC or NFC championship game is one of my favorite moments in professional football. There's nothing like it. Like the Super Bowl is fun, but it's not a real environment. Those games are crazy. And if... New England has to go to Arrowhead. I, I'm picking the Chiefs. Like I just am yeah, because of that. And that's why games like this, like what the Chiefs did today, where you beat the hell out of a team that's worse than you, are important. They can't drop games because they don't have the tiebreaker and the Pats are going to win a lot of games. So the Chiefs just need to keep rolling, and I think they're going to. 
All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Unleash the most powerful Pixel ever on the network chosen by Google, Verizon. Pixel 3 has more than just any camera. It takes group selfies, snaps in portrait mode, and helps you always pick the perfect moment with Top Shot, which automatically recommends the best picks, where no one is blinking and everything looks just right. And the Pixel 3 also has the power of Google Lens, which means you can search what you see. And when you get the Pixel 3 on Verizon, it comes with America's best network. Now families can mix and match your unlimited plans on the best network. With Unlimited on Verizon, everybody in the family gets what they want without paying for the things they don't. Visit your local Verizon store today or learn more at po.st slash the ringer. We're also brought to you by G Suite. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create. Hence their new campaign, Make It With G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled final and no clue which one is the latest, so you make another version and name that one final final, right? Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of version after version of a project. And since all tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. To find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. Now back to the show. Second stock up. The Panthers are, I think, the most fun offense in the NFL outside of the Chiefs. Like, hmm. Norv Turner stock all the way up. Like, this is ridiculous. So first of all, before we get into the nitty-gritty here, did you see Cam Newton's Norv Turner impression? Is it better than yours? I would call it a draw. Okay. I have not seen it, it's but now I'm very excited same, about it. It's the same general impression. Just lay, lay it on us very like, quickly. Very quickly. Wait, mine? Yeah. Like, the, hey, hey, Kevin. <clears throat> well, Kevin. <laughs> and Cam Newton's is very similar. To the point that I, I don't, it, it was almost like he was doing an impression of my impression of North Turner instead of an impression of North Turner. The fact that we're doing like ridiculous impressions of like a 66-year-old coordinator is very telling. This was supposed to be terrible. Uh, I mean, I absolutely shit on it when they hired me. <laughs> I did. I, I have no problem admitting that. I have no problem admitting that I thought it was a terrible idea. And it's been the exact opposite of that. That offense has looked like they hired a 29-year-old dude who had only watched college football for the last 10 years. It's crazy. So, since the second quarter against Washington, it's from Jordan Rodrigue, Cam Newton has not thrown an interception. He has a completion percentage of 71%, 735 yards, six touchdowns. Again, no interceptions. Rushed for 134 yards and a touchdown since, since week six. Second quarter of week six. Today, McCaffrey has two touchdowns, over 150 total yards. Um, Curtis Samuel, two touchdowns. Greg Olson, 76 yards, a touchdown. He has unlocked this offense. And we talked so much about all of the pieces that Cam Newton had. And by the way, Cam Newton himself is an incredible chess piece because there are so many things he can do. He is an, an unbelievably good athlete. We don't think about it enough. We don't talk about it enough. But so is Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, quite frankly, Greg Olson at tight end is, is among the best that's ever played at that position. They had all of these pieces, and the fact that they weren't sort of among these elite offenses before this year was embarrassing. And now they are. It's just such a different approach. And I think that's the most important thing. I mean, we know what Cam was for years. It was a lot of tight window throws down the field, like 15, 20 yards down the field, about 10 or so air yards per target on the season. This is not that. 
it's a lot of easy throws. It's a lot of using your playmakers. And they never did that. And now they have so many of those playmakers. Like it, it's such a, it's, it's almost surreal to watch this team versus what they were like two years ago when it was Benjamin and Funchess on the outside and Cam was forcing throws and there were no space, like no space players whatsoever. Now they have three, at least three. It's a, honestly, it is a dizzying effect. I would never have imagined this team looking like this. Okay. And I think they're really dangerous. I really do. Agree. We talk about rookie contract windows and all this stuff. I will throw the caveat in that there's a two-year window left for this team before Marty Herney gives all of the salary cap space to Christian McCaffrey because he's a running back. 20 plus million? I mean, whatever. That's my guess. It, that, I mean, it rises at $10 million a year. So by the time he's due for an extension, the cap will be like 200 million. I just give it, give it all to him. So they're fun, like undeniably fun. How real is this? Like, do you think that they can knock off well, either the Saints or the Rams when it matters? Hmm. Hmm. I think that Cam Newton is an amazing, amazing uh, quarterback at his best. I mean, we've seen, I mean, he's won an MVP. He's really freaking good. He destroyed, absolutely destroyed a really good Arizona Cardinals team in the NFC Championship game. He beat a really good Seahawks team. I think, didn't he go up 31 points in that game before things got weird? But he still put up, you know, that many points. We've seen him at his best. It was over early. Nah, the Seahawks came back. That's Seahawks what I mean, came though. back like, in that yeah, game. They came back, but it was it was a blowout early. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, of course. But yeah. it wasn't, it definitely wasn't over because I remember I had a story in the can that needed to run and the Panthers needed to win. That's that's why we always remember. Oh, boy. But um, crisis averted there. But so, yeah, we've seen this. So I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. But when I look at the Saints, I, I, I'm just going to say this. I, I, I almost tweeted it a couple times and I couldn't figure out the phrasing. So I'll just say it out loud. When I watch the Saints or the Rams or the Chiefs, it looks like they're playing a different sport, dude. And yeah, and and, and I kind of feel like the only people who can beat them are each other. It almost looks like heavyweight boxers where there's just, or whatever middle, whatever weight division you want to go at, where there's just an elite and the only people who can sort of beat each other are this round robin of the top guys, right? That's sort of how I view the absolute top teams. And the reason we throw in the Patriots is because we've seen them do it so many times. So, but when I watch the Patriots, they're not playing the same sport as the Saints, Rams, and Chiefs. And so I'm not picking the Panthers to beat any of those teams because I just haven't, I just don't know if it's possible. I just, I just think that they're on a different plane of existence. They're making the quarterback position look easy. I mean, the, the stats on their open throws, are un, especially with, with Kansas City, it's just unbelievable. They, it, it, it feels like they've solved football in some ways, especially the Chiefs. And so I guess if you're saying, can they beat the Rams? Listen, the Rams didn't win a playoff game last year. Anything's possible with them. But when I watch them every Sunday, I'm hugely impressed. I love what the Panthers are doing. They may be basically alone in the NFC on that second tier. I think in the AFC, you have the Chargers there. So it's those two teams. They are the Chargers of the NFC. I wish them well. I love what they're doing. I don't see them as contenders. It's funny that you say that, though, because when I watch the Panthers right now, I think that they're maybe not like talent-wise or efficiency-wise or production-wise, but when I watch that team, it reminds me of the really good teams. Like the way they're constructed, the way that offense works, the play calling, the design, everything else, like, oh yeah, like they're in that realm with like the McVeighs and the Reeds and everything else. And but again, maybe they're not as I, efficient I have, I have at to it. tell you. I got to tell you. We back up here. So they almost and probably should have lost to the Eagles. They did lose to the Redskins in a very, very weird game where they look like crap. Yeah, that game was first bizarre. half. Okay. The week before, they came within a miracle field goal of losing to the Giants, who are not a football team. So I'm just saying they may pass the eye test right now, but I'm not completely sold on them as, as an elite team when you just look at the track record. They've that's had, to- that's totally they've had 
they've had two very nice weeks. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I just think that when I watch them play offense, especially, it reminds me of the really good teams. Like it's just so creative. They're doing stuff. They put the ball in their best players' hands in like advantageous situations. I don't want to go full college football on us, but just the resumes do not match up. I'll get, I'll give that to you. I, I think the Giants game and the fact that they lost to Washington and they probably should have lost to the Eagles. I, I understand all of that. I just watching them today, and I know it was against Tampa, who is objectively the worst defense in the NFL. But just one of those things. It's like God, they're doing such cool shit. I really like it. I, I'm I believe in them more than I did a week ago, and sure. like five times more than I did coming into the season. What Norv Turner has done is mind blowing. I just can't. I, you got to work. You got to work on your North Turner. It's so weird, man. Like I panned that hire, and watching this happen is baffling. I, I still like don't understand or comprehend it. All right, let's get to more. Uh, a couple more stock ups. The Pittsburgh Steelers. We did this. We did it a few weeks ago. We seem to do it all the time. We hem and haw, and we try to crown another team in that division, especially. Nope. It this the Steelers are like an eleven win team, and they're going to be a problem in in the AFC playoffs. Like point, that's it. Like period. End of discussion. So I'm all for players getting paid what they're worth. I'm all I'm all for NFL labor progress, et cetera, et cetera. Le'Veon Bell really screwed up, huh? There is no upside to what he did. Zero. Like, what is the advantage for him right now? When he goes and tries to negotiate a deal in, like, in March, what are the pillars of that argument? I don't know. I think he probably should have taken the $15 million. Yes. So... James Conner is really good. He's really good. He's the first player in NFL history with four games within a single season of 100 rushing yards, 50 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And it's week nine. His performance has really thrown a wrench into the running back kind of dialogue. Because what Gurley did or has done is a point for the idea that they matter, they should be paid, everything else. What Connor has done, what David Johnson has not done, what Leonard Fournette has not done, there are way more kind of strikes against the idea that running backs matter than kind of points for the fact that they do. I I think running backs can help you win games. I just think that spending a lot on either financially or draft capital just has not proven to be wise. That's that, that that's my general thought. If you have a good running back, that's not going to hurt your team. But sp- investing a lot in that position is is likely a bad idea. Uh, in my opinion, I still think that Gurley is an exception. Because their scheme is built so strongly on play action, on what he gives them, everything else. The What happened with Bell and his argument about the money he deserved was about the fact that I'm a running back and I catch a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. It was about volume. It was about production. The girly thing is different than that in my mind. Because that is the pillar that is the basis that is the foundation of what the Rams do offensively it's a different conversation than I touch the ball this many times so that that's my only thing I think that Gurley is a somewhat like a slight exception to all of this because it's not just I caught four passes and I ran the ball 25 times let me ask you a question if Malcolm Brown if if Gurley God forbid tore his knee or something like that in training camp and Malcolm Brown was the starter for the entire season, the Rams win how many games? Probably 12. <laughs> how many are they going to win with them? 14? 14 or 15. Yeah. Okay. Just saying. So, I mean, it's, <sighs> it's so hard. Because what there's, if, no way, if, there's no if, way to Goff, know. If Goff went, goes down, do they win nine? <sighs> I know. 
This, this is the argument. Barnwell did this to me too. I hate it. The, the, yes, like this is the trump card argument and I hate it. What, I, if I just, Sean, what if Sean McVay gets lost at sea for a five-month period and then comes back in February? How many games ha- do they win there? If you had to pick McVay, Gurley, Goff, which order would you do it in? Um, probably, probably McVay, Goff, Gurley. I think, uh, that, I think Gurley I is the best running back. But I also think there's a ceiling on the value of the best running back. Yeah, I agree. And I hate that. I just, I'm so tired of like, it's only quarterbacks and that's all that matters. It, it's, I'm getting bored. That's why I'm trying to do the girly thing. But every wait, single wait, time. Wait, I'm sorry. We were talking about the Steelers. We did the yeah. thing. We did the thing again. It's fine. I mean, like, the Steelers <laughs> are the AFC team. Like, what, what else do you want to say? Oh, like, is that it? We're done. I just, I just noticed that we were just going down a, a hole that people are going to get mad at us again. Every, every time we have a, like a value conversation, we're going to get a little bit carried away with it. Okay. All right. All right. So the, the Steelers, Steelers, are, Steelers the are who we, th- we thought we, they are who we thought they were. There's just too much. I yeah. mean, they just have too much talent. Like, like point blank. They just have too much Th- that Antonio Brown, like one or two big plays that happened today. That's always going to happen. Juju is there. Roethlisberger is good enough. Connor has been fantastic. Their line is arguably the best in the entire NFL. They are going to find a way every single time. And that's why I didn't panic about the first month of their season. They are going to find a way. Undeniably, in my opinion, they are the best team in that division, first of all, and they are a contender in the AFC. That's it. Okay. Internal pressure mounting, according to the NFL Network, on John Harbaugh. Where are we on that? It seems silly, but also... How, like, what's the shelf life for coaches? It depends who the coach is. For Bill Belichick, it's 20 years. And that's, of course. But it just seems like that team could probably use a shot in the arm when Lamar Jackson takes over next year. Is that dumb? Maybe. Let's trade him. I I don't know. I I think that after a certain amount of time, you could probably use a, a new voice and a new approach. And that team is going to have a drastic change next year. Ozzy's gone. And Joe Flacco is probably gone. <laughs> it is the biggest like sea change in that organization in a decade. And bringing in a new coach to oversee that isn't crazy to me, even if John Harbaugh is really, really good at what he does. All right. Where, where are we sending John Harbaugh, who I think is a very good coach? San Diego or whatever, whatever we're calling the Chargers these days? I mean, what if you... like? hired a very good offensive coordinator and John Harbaugh took over the Browns. Took over the Browns. Yeah. I like that. I like that. An an adult. An adult in charge. Tampa Bay? I like that too. Again, just bring... Miami. That's fine too. He's a very good head coach. He'll get get a job in The Dolphins will make the playoffs, by the way. One of the Dolphins or Bengals will make the playoffs. And the team that doesn't hires John Harbaugh. It's a tournament at the end of the year. Yeah. You, you, get, either, you get either the sixth seed or you, and you get to lose. I guess who would they it would play the, the damn uh, Texans, right? Yeah. And that's Good a game Lord. I do not want to watch. All right. Very quickly, stock down. Uh, what's happening with the Jets? Like Todd Bowles, it, it just seems like that's a perfect candidate to do exactly what we just talked about. Like they just need a new start and they have a top five quarterback that probably needs the right coaching staff. So the only reason I'm, I'm hesitant to say John Harbaugh to the Jets is because they need to surround him with some, some Darnold developers and John Harbaugh might not be that. Okay. I want to direct your attention to a Chris Mortensen report. The Jets this is from Sunday morning. The Jets resisted trade proposals, including from the Eagles, before deadline for speedy vertical threat Robbie Anderson because Sam Darnold's development remains the priority, according to sources. Now, let's back up. Todd Bowles got outcoached by Hugh Jackson this season. Just uh, straight up outcoached. Sam Darnold leads the NFL on interceptions. He looks really bad. If he had not had week one against Detroit, where he just absolutely pasted a team that didn't know what it was doing, 
we'd be having a much different national conversation about Sam Darnold. And it's probably the conversation we're going to have now. I don't know what's going on in New York, but the number one thing I know is that they are not, let me say something, either they're not placing a priority on his development or God help us if they're actually placing a priority on his development and this is what it looks like. They had a center. Did you see the Spencer Long guy? He what couldn't, about him? He like got the yips or something. He's got a hurt hand and he could he was just making bad snaps. And they just kept him in the game. It's fine. They are in line to do in this offseason what the Browns just did. It, you just need somebody to get the most out of him. That's what, it. What, what, wait, what are they going to? What are they going to do? Fire Todd Bowles and bring in an offensive-minded head coach? Yeah, Why no, I know you? that. But what I'm saying, I mean, the Browns haven't done that yet, have they? Oh, they're on their way. Right, right, right. But they they so, did the first part of it. Yeah, who are they going to bring in? We've done this before. I, I have no idea. I, I just know that they're a prime candidate to do the exact same thing. All that matters for the Jets franchise is making Sam Darnold the best player he can be. That's it. Yep. And that is often difficult with a defensive-minded head coach and a retread offensive coordinator that's been in the league for a long time without any sort of success or track record. I don't like what's going on with the New York Jets. They, there will be significant changes this offseason. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that, I mean, without any question. Do we bring it, the, Do we bring McCagnan back? What do you think? I, I don't. I don't know. It's th- tough. It's not. It's not as if there have been a lot of moves where it's like, oh yeah, that I like that a lot. I don't even know what they would be. I mean, that this free agent hall was fine. I mean, Tremaine Johnson's been hurt. Whatever. I the the Teddy thing was objectively really impressive, but that's pretty much the only move they've ever made outside of. <laughs> It's the only impressive move they've made since they won Super Bowl three. Hey, uh, I just saw this quote pop into my feed and I need to share it because I don't know what's going on. Alvin Kamara, colon, Drew Brees is Mike Tyson. I would love to hear the reasoning what? behind that. I'd love it. What, what is the possible like explanation behind that? What? If That's you great. were, if you were to rank all of the American athletes who you could compare to Mike Tyson, who just knocked people out and was an absolute maniac, Drew Brees would not be in the top one thousand. He'd probably be last. He'd be <laughs> the last life. person you ever bring up. <laughs> Nathan Peterman. <laughs> all right, let's move on. The Redskins. Poor suck. Nathan. All right, Redskins uh, are bad. One more stock down. We talked about this. Last week on the Sunday show, the idea that the Redskins had this kind of formula that was winning them games. Hey, uh, guess who the Redskins? Game. Guess who the Redskins' leading rusher was today? I, I honestly don't know. It was Alex. Was it, Smith. Was it Alex Smith? Alex yeah, Smith with yeah. twenty-two yards. Yeah, especially against Atlanta, who can't stop anybody. That's not a good thing. They scored so, fourteen points against the a, a team that doesn't have a defense. It turns out that. Holding teams to like 17 points and scoring 21 is not a good way to win games, especially against a team that is really good on offense, even if they're a little bit muted on the road usually. Yeah, I just, I never believed in their, their talent a whole lot. And I, no. um, and this is, I, I, the only reason we can't completely write them off is there's nothing that, that there's no law that says the Eagles have to get better. Nah, there may not be a law, but I believe it. Oh, no, I believe it. I, I, I think the Golden Tate trade is going to get them nudge in the right direction. They obviously already have the talent. But I just, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, you can't, even though I just don't believe in their talent at all, I can't rule out them accidentally winning nine games. God, I would hate if they won that division. I really don't want to watch them in the playoffs, like at all. I mean, it's, I, 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 I was not enthused by this particular game. All right, let's uh, throw some challenge flags before we get out of here. Uh, I'm going to start with just the idea of Nathan Peterman in general. Just unbelievable. What are we doing here? What are it we was, doing here? What are we doing here that, that a guy throws three interceptions and his career interception rate goes down? As a Bears fan, it was a really fun day. I mean, I don't 
when teams are worse than you, you're supposed to destroy them. And that's what happened. And it was really enjoyable. I just can't imagine that, I don't know, is there not a better option anywhere? All right. Let me ask you a question. I don't want to get, I don't want to make this show Nathan Peterman hypotheticals. Who, Who is the worst roster that could win a game with Nathan Peterman starting against an average NFL team? Could the Saints... That, that's the exact team I was going to say. So you're, would, you would say the, the four teams... Would you say the Patriots could do it? Yes. I think the Patriots. Okay. So what about the Carolina Panthers? No. Chargers? No. Okay, so we're just going to go with the four top teams. Yeah. That's where I would drive the line, yes. Okay. All right. I'm there with you. Okay, rant about Peterman. I mean, I just, I don't understand it. Like, there has to be something better somewhere. The, the Bears didn't even play well today, and they won by 32 points. It, it, that, that offense in general is just unwatchable. I, I think it's the worst, I mean, by numbers it is, the worst offense of all time. And you watch your team play against it, and you really get a kind of defined understanding of it without Khalil Mack. I've never, ever seen anything like that. It's Peterman, and it is the worst group of receivers I've ever seen. It's baffling. It, it is, it's a surreal experience. Like I did not understand like what was happening or how to kind of synthesize the information that was coming into my brain. I kind of feel bad for Nathan Peterman. He didn't ask for this. No. It, it, they did this. Like, this is the Bills' fault. They built this offense. And it's just, just such... I, I, I'm serious. Just start Matt Barkley. It's such a strange team, man. Like, that defense just is... Just start... What's the problem with starting Matt Barkley? I know he doesn't know the playbook. Who cares? Nathan Peterman knows the playbooks and playbook, and, and we see what happens. That defense is actual talent on it. I mean, they have a lot of players. They play hard, everything else. It, I've, I cannot remember a team that is this kind of far apart on both sides of the ball. Like the, a defense that's real, that plays, that can do stuff, and an offense that cannot move the ball against any real NFL team. Can we throw a challenge flag at Bill O'Brien denying he uh, called Vance Joseph a dumb F-word? So let's get to Vance Joseph then. Let, let, let's throw a challenge flag on Vance Joseph just as an idea. <laughs> so... Uh, he seems like somebody's going to get fired. How could he not? Should, mean, we, th- like, should th- we throw John Harbaugh into, in Denver? The Vance Joseph thing, we've like kind of seen a common thread of all of these disaster hires. One year or two years as a moderately good defensive coordinator. Don't hire these people. Don't. Why? What gives you the idea that they are a good choice to be your head coach? There's no reason to believe that after you had a decent season as a defensive coordinator that you can be a head coach and that you're the right choice at all. Every single time, it's bad. Steve Wilkes is a perfect example. Vance Joseph, perfect. I just will never get it. I don't understand why teams do this. Why they hire defensive head coaches? After one year of moderate success. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I just think you get, you start looking at the coach churn and teams that, and, 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 you know, Arizona is not one of these places. They had Bruce Arians for a long time, but you look at a place like Cleveland, you look at a place, uh, you know, the many teams like Tampa Bay who go through coaches every two or three years and, they just start scraping, quite frankly, the bottom of the barrel. And because, you know, people maybe not... I mean, remember the the Browns hired Mike Pettin like five years ago. And I didn't even mind that in the moment. Like, well, no, I sort of mind. I sort of, I sort of mind. I'm just saying... I these, understand. I, well, what, what I'm saying is that coaches get hired early because there's just... There's just not a lot of options when you're turning through coaches when, by the way... NFL coaching is basically a closed loop. 
they're just hiring their you know friends as assistants and people they've worked with before. We haven't gotten to a place where there's a lot of new ideas. So it's like, oh, okay, we'll just hire this defensive coordinator. I'd rather roll the dice on a college guy. But we've talked about that enough. I think we'll get to that over the next like two months, especially because there are going to be a lot of open jobs, in my opinion. And I just don't understand after we've seen kind of, again, the pairing of young guys, offensive minded with like quarterbacks, how we're going to do more of like the Vance Joseph, Steve Wilkes mold of things. Sure. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that a lot. All right. So one more. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I just got to clarify this Bill O'Brien thing. So he was, he, the Whip Breeder thought he said, nice job, Vance, you dumb F word. Okay. And then he was asked about it by Mike Florio um, via the team's PR staff. And he said, ah, no, I was yelling at someone in our field goal unit. I wouldn't say that about another head coach. So is he confirming that he called somebody on the field goal unit a dumb fuck? Yeah, that's problematic. I, there, there's no way to get out of this in a good way. For well, he sh- I, I, what I want to know is, did he say... He didn't say that word, or is he saying he said it, but it wasn't about Vance Joseph? I, I don't believe any. I have more. Like, I have more questions and answers right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, and I'm sure we'll find them as people see the video and things happen, like post whatever this was. The weirdest thing that's happened in the past month is that the lip readers were 100 percent right about something Conor McGregor said during his fight that seemed too wild to believe, and then the microphones confirmed he actually said it. And now I completely buy into the the lip reader lobby. I'm in the same spot. All right, one more challenge flag. Uh, everyone who did not enjoy the Michael Thomas Joe Horn homage, I don't know what to tell you. What was that? Why, 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 why were we upset about that? Everybody's like, oh, awesome. that 15 yards could mean something. You know what else could mean something? That long-ass touchdown he scored. Yeah. I, I, everything about it was incredible. That's a callback to a Joe Horn touchdown who is not, I don't know, when's the last time you thought about Joe Horn? It's been a while. Yes. I mean, it, it's a very random thing to do, and I really appreciate it. I loved it. That's it. I'm in, I'm in on Mike Thomas. Yes. I, I'm very in on Michael Thomas, period. But that was wonderful. All right. A lot, very, a lot of personalities down there. It's a fun team, man. You got, you got Mike Tyson down there. <laughs> and we're going to get a lot of them uh, over the next couple of months because they're probably going to be, if not the best team in the NFC, then the second best. All right. Super quick before we get out of here. Tomorrow's headlines. Uh, Dirk Cutter and Todd Bowles. It, it, it's probably Dirk Cutter. Yeah. It's probably Dirk Cutter like guillotine time like i i just i can't imagine how he's not gone very soon okay here's my question do you promote todd munkin and just see what happens or can they not do that because that's what they do with dirt cutter just randomly promoted the offensive coordinator i'm okay with it but we we've discussed this before i just don't think that todd munkin is an nfl head coach i i seeing what happens is fine i think that's probably the move but, but I don't understand what you mean by it. I mean, I, I don't know what that means. Personality-wise. I don't know if he has the, like, the constitution to be an NFL head coach. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 just, I just think that some people, like Jack Del Rio seems like an NFL head coach, and he keeps getting fired. I hear you. I'm. I'm. I understand it. Like, I'm I don't know. Andy Reid is on my television right now. Like when I look at Andy Reid, he doesn't scream best coach in the NFL. I think that ownership, it would be a hard sell. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, Todd, Todd Mockin is a very interesting person. He's brilliant, but yeah. he's an interesting guy. All I'm saying is that, you know, I, the ownership should value some things that work instead of hiring Dirk Cutter and Lovey Smith all the time and Greg Schiano. That's fine. I, I Trust me. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that it's hard for me to imagine that being like the end all be all of like what happens here. Correct me if I'm missing something. We have Raheem Morris, Greg Chiano, Lovey Smith, and Dirk Cutter. Those are the guys in Scruton, right? Good Lord. So maybe the Glazers should just do the opposite of whatever they want to do. It's not the wrong move. Uh, that's, uh, I hear you. That, that, God, that's a depressing list. They also right. got rid of a staff that I believe included Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan in 08. That was the Gruden staff. Yeah, yes. of course. All right. One more. Uh, Saints, Super Bowl favorites. You think that's going to gain some momentum? 
I think so. But I honestly, it's like what we discussed. I don't know how you separate the Rams from the Saints from the Chiefs right now. Yeah. It's kind of a, I think that we'll, I think we'll have an, a lot more Super Bowl talk after the November 19th Rams Chiefs game. I agree. All right. That's all we got. What a day of football. It was a very fun day. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. I'll be in Los Angeles. We'll record together. It'll be fun. Perfect. Thanks, guys. All right. Later, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply.